Hey guys, Chef Andrew here again with another episode of Chef's Talking Chop. So for this episode, I'm just going to kind of be talking about food and how I got started in cooking and where my career really has evolved from the beginnings of me starting out as a dishwasher and moving my way up to to where I am now. I uh, actually started washing dishes at my dad's restaurant, which is an American cafe that that serves breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, the traditional American restaurant, I guess, where the majority of what we did was eggs, like omelets, and uh, the traditional American breakfast. I started washing dishes there and then ended up moving up and cooking with him. Thinking back on it, like the the first thing I probably ever made was a grilled cheese or maybe a grilled ham and cheese. And it would always started off me cooking for myself when it was slow, like when I was about to take a break, you know, and then it wasn't so much uh, a standard like 30 minute break, you know, it was when we had time in the kitchen, when it was slow, and that's when you would kind of optimize your time to to eat while you were working, which is one of the most beneficial aspects of working in a restaurant, especially when you're a young kid or a younger person, you know, eating at your work is one of the most benefits, one of the, the biggest benefits of working. You know, you don't have to spend money on food. You can eat while you're at work and that really helps you throughout your day, especially when when your budget isn't isn't set out right and you're not really making enough or as much money as you'd hope. So I think the first thing I ever made was probably a grilled ham and cheese for myself. And it's not like you would make it home in in a saute pan. I was lucky enough to to be able to start on a, a flat top grill, which is definitely a lot easier because it's all set up there. You know, the flat top's pretty big and you take up a, a small amount of space to make something simple as a grilled ham and cheese. And then from there, you know, I, I moved up to to actually working the line with my dad and he would be the one responsible for like doing the eggs and the omelets, which is in that type of restaurant, the more, you know, graceful and the more technically driven side of it. So like when an order would come in for something simple that like we would call like a, a perfect landing, which was just two eggs, any style, like over medium, and that would come with two pieces of sausage, which were patties, two pieces of bacon, and then your choice of hash browns, home fries, 
or like cottage cheese, fresh fruit or a salad. So like when that order would come in on a ticket, I would, you know, drop the potatoes because those took the longest. And then I would drop the protein, meaning, you know, the, the sausage bacon. And my dad would be responsible for doing the eggs, which, like I said, was the most delicate, the most delicate part of it. That's kind of like, like the steak of, of that meal where it took a little bit of precision, you know, to cook the eggs to the right temp and the right, the right designation, whether it's, you know, scrambled, soft scramble, over medium, or, you know, my personal favorite and, and over easy. And then from there, you know, I kind of worked my way through. There was definitely some rough beginnings because I really accredit that place, you know, that that style of where I really learned my speed because in a in a breakfast place you get a lot of fast pace, you know, like people aren't really coming there to spend a couple hours as you would in like a steakhouse or or a a normal just dinner setting you know most people are coming in and out most people are coming on their lunch breaks they got they got stuff to do and then also you would get larger tables like like church groups where they'd come in groups of you know 12 groups of 16 and having to to fire all those plates at the same time definitely takes uh, a good amount of skill and technique to to time everything out so it all comes up at the same time because I'm sure you've been somewhere where you're with your you know your friends or your family and you guys are out and then two people at the table get get their food and everybody else is kind of waiting that that definitely puts everybody in an awkward situation like nobody nobody likes to be the the only people with food at the table and then you're like put in that awkward situation of like oh what do I do do I start eating I mean if if you do what you know you think to be the nice thing and then wait then your food is cold so we definitely prided ourselves in being able to to put out larger tables in a timely manner and get everything out in the same, you know, in the same time, in a timely fashion. That way everybody could eat uh, the hot meal that, that they came for at the same time. So I eventually moved on from that, uh, what you would call, I guess, you know, finer dining. And I really attribute that to, uh, to my time working at a place downtown Paso Robles that was pretty established in its time. It was called Roberts, and there we did a lunch and dinner service. I got hired on there to to work the grill, and that was really my first experience in uh, what you would consider, I guess, a steakhouse setting. There I uh, I was responsible for, for the steaks when I first got there. And if I remember right, when I started, the menu had five or six items that were that I was responsible for. 
and I think that was a a New York steak, uh, a beef fillet, a ribeye, a lamb rack, and then I believe I had one fish dish, and that was a grilled mahi-mahi, which is all, you know, I guess relatively simple. You know, I had a charbroiler, so I was responsible for firing the steaks and the the subsequent or the, you know, the starch and the veggie that came with each entree. Coming from, like, a, a traditional American diner, like, if you could imagine... Like, kind of like a Denny's, you know, when you order a steak, everything really comes with mashed potatoes or french fries. And then when you move on to to stuff that's a little more advanced, each steak comes with with their own potato, you know, special to that plate. And their own vegetable, you know, special to that plate as well. So I would be responsible for for a couple different things at the same time and working through that with already having you know that speed in my back pocket that my dad taught me really really helped me blossom into everything that 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 I've came into now so I kind of worked my way from from the grill uh I don't really know what what my return rate was on, you know, sending out steaks that were not to the right temp, because that's definitely the most intricate part of of that dish. And I'm sure you've noticed going out to any steakhouse, you know, the steaks are normally the, the most expensive piece on on the menu. So making sure that the steak goes out to the right temp, you know, meaning that it all comes out medium rare, rare medium and then even you know well done to those people who have every right to order it you know well done as they want even even though you know some people may discourage that I mean it's their own it's their own prerogative everybody has their own preferences in life uh so after I kind of honed my skills on the grill and did pretty well there I ended up moving to to what you would consider saute and saute consisted of you know firing uh, a couple different fishes like like a halibut and I think there was a salmon as well as like an airline chicken which is was like a chicken breast and they call it an airline cut because it still has a, a piece of the wing on it. So there was that. There was also like a, a vegetarian dish that kind of rotated out. So something like a lasagna or uh, a sautéed vegetable stir fry. And that right there, like that whole station is is a lot more intricate because everything that you're firing there, you're firing on on sauté pans. So kind of similar to how you would cook at your house, you know, heating up pans over a stovetop. And that was definitely uh, the biggest learning experience for me working at Roberts. Because now, like when you're firing a, a fresh fish, you don't normally 
you don't normally get the opportunity to to send out your mistakes because when you kind of overcook um a fish you 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 can tell right then and there that it's overcooked so so that one I wouldn't say it's harder than than working the grill but it definitely took a a lot more finesse and and technique cuz when you get an order for a steak like the steak's the first thing that goes down and you want to let the steak rest so you can be a lot you you have a lot more grace for your your time management on when you're actually what they call firing a a table and firing a table is just when you're when you're being asked to actually put together the plate because if you go to a nice a nice steakhouse and hopefully everything's timed out right you know when your order actually comes back to the kitchen they're not they're not cooking that to send it out because you probably have appetizers that the table's sharing or you have, you know, salads and stuff that's going out first. So you have all these other things going on. And working saute is a little bit harder because when, oh, like I said, I don't know if it's necessarily harder, but a little more technique driven because when when a plate or a table is actually fired, that's when you fire your fish because fish is so delicate that you can't really, you can't really pre-fire it. At least I wouldn't recommend it it starts to, it dries out. So, and a lot of fish has, you know, a five to nine minute cook time if you're doing it right. So I learned a lot of good techniques there, you know, how to make uh, some good demi-glosses and a demi-glaze is kind of, kind of like a traditional French sauce that uses beef stock and and red wine and you reduce that down to make a a really uh flavorful sauce that 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 we put over the steaks. I also learned how to make a uh, beurre blanc which is a uh a dairy and wine sauce that's also French that that a lot of places use over the top of fish. Uh I think there we used papaya in it but you there's a lot of different variants that you can use like an orange beurre blanc or a lemon beurre blanc so that was definitely very helpful I also learned the intricacies of making rice to order making risotto and doing a lot of cool things with different fishes because we had a fish of the day so that kind of always changed throughout you know I worked with everything from ahi halibut uh one of my personal favorites a steelhead trout so that was very good and then there I uh worked my way up you know I learned a little bit of garmage which is just a fancy word for for the pantry side of things and if we're not all on the same page about that, Pantry is kind of the guy who starts your dinner experience and ends it. So he's the guy who's kind of doing the most of the cold appetizers, your salads, and then he's also responsible for doing the the desserts. 
So I kind of worked a little bit over there and then ended up becoming the sous chef at the Paso Robles location in Roberts. So when I when that was being asked of me, again, you know, my falling back on my original experience at my dad's restaurant with working my way up through there and being asked to to do, you know, some management type stuff when my dad wasn't there really helped me. You know, I really had a good skill set to to fall back on. So that was something that I credit to to how well I did there when I was uh being asked to be the sous chef and I I did some orders for the kitchen. I actually did the majority of the ordering for a while because when I actually got brought up to the sous chef position, we opened another location. And so our chef, Justin Picard at the time, was being asked to do a lot of different things, you know, opening the other restaurant. So he bestowed a lot of responsibilities on me and that really helped me out in my cooking career. Moving on from from Roberts, I uh I spent a little bit of my working experience with a classical French chef by the name of Chef Laurent who owns and operates Bistro Laurent in Paso Robles and I believe they've been operating for I think 19 or 20 years now, they've actually rechanged, or they've actually just changed their name within the past year to Biel Brazier. Still the same, you know, Chef Laurent, still doing the, the great stuff they do there with their classical French dishes. They have, uh, you know, locally sourced fish. They have, great steaks. They do a lot of cool seasonal stuff with pumpkins and they make a really good risotto and they also do lunch and dinner. After that, I was uh, the executive chef at a a short-lived venture called Vine, also in Paso Robles, where we, we try to do a steakhouse vibe, but Sometimes, you know, the stars don't align and things don't always work out as they're planned. So that ended up lasting about six to seven months. And unfortunately, we had to to shut down there. After that, I met uh, Mr. Tommy Medeiros, who owns and operates a local food service company called MedCorp Food Services, and I've been a corporate chef for him for the past two years now. So that's been, um, you know, a little bit of history on me. I I think back to to when I first started, and everything that I was cooking for, you know, was was mainly just just for for taste. You know, I would cook 
things, you know, I would create things just, just for, for flavor. And, and that's good. You know, you, you really need that. But then as I got older, the, the importance and how much I valued, uh, nutrition really, really escalated, especially, you know, as my body wasn't able to just take down burgers with, with over easy eggs on it every day, which don't get me wrong. There's a special place in my heart for, for a good burger with the right, the right grind and the right, the right meat variation to be topped with an ooey gooey, you know, sunny side up egg. Don't get me, that's one of my favorite things still to this day. But nutrition definitely started influencing my palate and the things that I cook because I want my body to run well as well as be happy with what I put in it. And so within the last, you know, five years or so, I've really put an influence on that. And that's really changed the my scope of work essentially to the fact that I want, you know, the things that I put in my body to, to really benefit my body further than just how it tastes going in. So I really, I really think that today in like moving forward and definitely in my recent past, that a lot of the things that I've been cooking, I've been researching, you know, how oils play an effect on what we cook. Cause that's definitely something that's at the least of our minds. That's, that's, that's not even something we're thinking about when we're starting out cooking. We're just, we're trying to make something that doesn't taste dry or does, is not overdone. And at the very least, just not burn the house down, you know, and then if you have kids you're cooking for, I can only imagine the, the struggles with, with time management as well as trying to make something that that you can convince you know your kids to to eat especially when they're being coaxed and and tempted by by Reese's and McDonald's which you know don't get me wrong time and time I mean every now and again I find myself craving a a nice sausage McMuffin or even a McGriddle I don't know what it is about a McGriddle that holds a special place in my heart. Dude, I even remember when a McGriddle first came out and just thinking about a a sandwich with a pancake bun like really rattled my brain. It was something that I couldn't I couldn't fathom, but but now, you know, it's it holds a a weird place in my in my heart. I mean, definitely could be classed as an inhibition, I guess. And then those hash brown patties, I don't know, I don't know what they're putting in there. It's, it's not normal potatoes. And then with keto and everything going on, you know, carbohydrates and sugars, I gotta, I'm, you know, limiting to say the least my, my intake on, on potatoes. I can remember like the, in my earlier days when, when I first heard of Genio and like all this ground turkey was a big fad, I remember my first time making a turkey burger and it was on a special that we were serving. 
the only thing I could think of when I was making it, I was so nervous in the beginning that I just didn't want to send it out undercooked and and I didn't have the wherewithal that I do now to to be able to tell by the by the coloration of the meat, you know, not I'm going beyond the fact that, you know, obviously if it's not pink, I mean, it's probably done, but now in my in my years of experience, I can kind of you can tell by the sound it's making and the while it's cooking and how much uh, juice is actually coming out of the meat. So that's what I mean by telling by look or touch. And the only thing I could think of was, you know, don't send this out undercooked. And I feel bad because that first person that I ever sent a turkey burger to was probably maliciously overdone. Like, well, not maliciously, not like I did it intentionally. Yeah, I did intentionally not overcook it, but I just feel he probably he loved the burger, I'm sure, because I didn't. Well, it didn't get sent back which is not always the best telltale because most people, if they get something they don't like, they're just trying to, you know, be on with their day. And a lot of people avoid conflict. So even if he hated it, he may have not sent it back. But I've since, you know, I've since grown in my talent. But I digress. I kind of got off topic with that. I can also remember my first times being asked to, to work saute, I was very nervous because being brought up on a traditional American diet, I didn't very frequently eat nice cuts of halibut. It was definitely something that I couldn't afford on on my daily budget. So when I was being asked to, to make halibut and salmon, it was definitely not something that I ate and not something that I ate very often. So being able to or being asked, you know, to serve something out at medium of which I never really consumed was was a difficult task, but something that that I ended up managing and ended up owning pretty well. And now, you know, even at this moment right now, I have, you know, fresh fish in in my household. It's definitely something that's that's on my regimen of of what I like to put in my body especially, you know, with the good, the good mix of, I mean, the good balance of omega-3s and omega-6s. This, that topic specifically is something that I'd like to get into on, on the podcast as well, because a lot of oils, they have omega-3s and omega-6s in them. The problem is, is the balance that they have in there is, is not, you know, proper to what our body really wants. So that's where, you know, cooking with oils comes into play because everything that you put on your food, you know, salt, pepper, the oils and the sides plays an effect on on its nutritional value. So these are things that I, I, I'm going to be getting into here on the podcast, you know, things that could be overlooked, things that are seldom thought about. We'll uh, be talking about kitchen techniques, things that we can execute at home. I just, you know, really want to give back this knowledge that I've acquired over my 15 years, you know, of cooking 
that that can really benefit people in their day-to-day lives. I just want to, you know, bestow everybody the techniques that I've honed in and the techniques from some chefs that I've met along the way just to kind of overall, just to give everybody a better overall understanding of what's really happening in the kitchen. You know, the kitchen's a place that that really brings people together. Food is such a a vital aspect in our life. And there's so many things that that food really, really does to us besides satisfy our hunger that that we don't really think about. Now don't now don't get me wrong at all. Satisfying hunger is a big part of it. Because you know, if you've known yourself or ever been in a relationship or had friends, I mean, I know you've seen it when people are hungry, people are grumpy. If it if it wasn't true, Snickers wouldn't wouldn't be putting out these commercials with you know, Betty White and everybody turning into divas when they're hungry. So don't get, don't be discouraged. We're definitely going to tackle your hunger. We're going to show you guys some tasty things that that you can make at home. But we're also going to let you know why they're good for you. You know, aside from the fact that they taste good. If there's, you know, any specific questions that you may have, Please feel free to to send me an audio message. You know, I might I will be taking some audio messages and playing them back on the podcast and answering your guys' questions. Hit me up on social media. You know, we're we're at Chefs Talking Chop on Instagram. Please uh share anything that you hear that you like with your friends and family because I'm just trying to, you know, give back these these techniques that I've honed in and share with you guys my mistakes, things that that I've learned, you know, through trials and really just get everybody on on a better page for for living their best life. You know, we have to eat. Everybody's got to eat every day unless you're fasting. I mean, there's a a lot of benefits to be had and I really hope that that I can have a couple episodes just dedicated to to the nutritional benefits and the physiological benefits of of fasting as well as when to work out and what times of day, you know, cuz there's different times of days that that your body responds better to carbohydrates cuz don't get me wrong, like I love potatoes. You know, this this keto thing isn't I wouldn't say it's just a fad. There's research to show benefits, but there's also research that shows other other things as as well as like, you know, your body can is less prone to to respond to insulin in the evenings. So if you're gonna take a dive in and and go for those potatoes, you know, doing it in the evenings probably a little better, you know, after you've already had a heavy workout. And I know that that may make some people's ears cringe and your face squint up just at the thought of working out, but I'm hoping, you know, that 
you can come to to know me enough to trust me and when when I have these podcasts talking about when to work out and how it affects your body and the stuff that you put in there that maybe you listen a little bit or maybe you don't and that's fine too you know everybody has their time to when things really hit them so if not today maybe tomorrow but like i said you know if you have any things that that you'd want to hear us talk about if you have any questions that you want me to ask you know local personalities or chefs or business owners you know like what did they do before this or what was their worst job you know send it in to me let me know and maybe I'll play you back on on the podcast when I'm interviewing them well guys this has been chef andrew with chefs talking chop and thank you for your time Bye.